Welcome to Brawny Conversations. I am Patrick Braun, your host. This podcast will provide our listeners with informative and entertaining discussions held with experienced people covering a wide range of topics. If you want to shorten your learning curve or just learn more about one of our topics, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy our discussion. Welcome to part three with our expert guest, Kevin Witt. Kevin played professional baseball for 19 years and was a first round MLB draft selection. In this episode, Kevin will be providing insights on the recruiting process in baseball to play at higher levels beyond high school. And we're going to talk about baseball recruiting advice for both players and parents. And you are definitely an expert in this as you went through the process personally in your own life. Uh, You've gone through it with your two sons who both are college baseball players. And then you've gone through this process with countless other players you developed. So uh, let's, let's just jump right in. And uh, this baseball recruiting scene has grown so much that it's quite frankly becoming an industry. There are companies that put on showcases, there are recruiting services who offer website and coach contracts, college host recruiting camps. There are just so many options. Where should a player and a parent start with all of this? So that's a good question, Patrick, uh, regarding recruiting. And quite honestly, you know, I really, I really think that it begins – you know, as, as a freshman. Um, and, and I say that because regardless of whether you want to be, you know, an athlete in college or just a student, I think you have to create what I like to call a player or, well, a, a, a resume, right? You know, just like you're, you, you know, you're, you have a resume if you're going to apply for a job. Um, you know, there's the, I call it the player resume because most of the time I'm dealing with athletes. And so right away, you, you, you have kind of a, just a starting point, you know, and it's, it's your information. And, and every year you're updating that information and, and whatever accolades you're, you're receiving on or off the field, um, volunteer opportunities, uh, anything like that, you know, you're building that resume. And so when it comes time to start sending out that resume to, um, to schools uh, that you, you that you're interested in, it's all right there. It's 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 a uh, you know it's got your transcripts, you know your test scores, uh, you know links to you know you know you hitting you pitching, whatever it may be, uh, volunteer opportunities. Um, um, you know, coaches for select ball, you know, all of it, all your information is there. And so I think that, that, that's, that it's important for parents to, to start that process early. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of kids. And again, if, if, if you're really good, you don't really, you know, you don't really need that for the most part. I mean, yeah, you will need some of it obviously. Uh, but I think where, you know, coaches have to get really creative is, is those kids that, that, aren't quite division one players and understanding what's available out there and educating the parents on, on what is out there. You know, do I, do I want to just go play, you know, like my oldest son is a good example, Preston, who's a senior at Southwestern playing baseball, you know, could he have gone to a, a small D one and just wore the uniform and, and maybe had a chance to play by the time he graduates. Yeah. Or could he have gone to a division three school like Southwestern and play right away, um, you know, have an impact on the baseball team and, and also get a wonderful education from Southwestern. And, and he ultimately chose Southwestern and it's been a wonderful decision for him. Um, but that's what, that's what he wanted to do. Kind of like you said earlier is, is provide them with, with all the information necessary, educate them on the process, kind of let, you know, you know, the kid make the decision for the most part. Right. Um, with, with, with a little influence, right? A little with influence. A, yeah, but. with a little influence. You know, it's uh, you know, you got to make sure you put your points in there. But you know, it's it's it, you know, it, I think that 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 process starts a lot earlier than you think. And if you do the work early on, if you're great, you're great, and everything's going to turn out great for the most part. That I think finding that fit will be a little easier. But okay, if, if Division One is not a reality, um, what is my reality? And, and, you know, surprisingly, a lot of the kids that, that do have the good grades and all that type of stuff, it does open more doors for you. But you, you have to be prepared for that. You know, I used to tell kids, yeah. you know, I used to ask kids all the time is, is hey, where, where would you like to where would you like to go play? And it's it's all oh, uh, Texas, TCU. And, and I'm like, you know, it's like, hey, man, that sounds great. 
but the reality of that is is it's not going to happen. So I yeah. would always say, I would always say, go just go pick five schools. You know, just kind of as a starting conversation point, go pick five schools: five Division One, five Division Two, five Division Three, five NAI. You know, whatever the different levels. Just go pick five schools that that you might have interest in. At least that way, there's a starting point for for every level yep. per se. Because you know, as a freshman, you know you don't you don't really know where you're going to end up. You know, sophomore year, you kind of start to get an idea. You know, junior year, you, you should really have an idea. Um, and then by the time you're a senior, sometimes it wait. You know, some of these Division three schools and whatnot, you got to wait till, you know, right before your senior year, during your senior year. But but, you know, be prepared. You know, sooner than later, and start to do the research, and because it'll be here before you know it. You know, and and so, the flip side of that is I had a, a you know Tanner who is at the University of Texas now. He was, you know, recruited by everybody under the moon, and and we took our time with that process, and and uh, he ended, ultimately ended up at University of Texas. He's a fourth generation Longhorn, and and you know, like you mentioned earlier, he's got a he's he's a he's a, a high draft pick uh, potential. Uh, this coming year in the draft, um, so it's two different, completely different spectrums of of the experience and and you know the type of players. But you know it's it's you know it's every 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 situation is very unique and very different. And but the bottom line is is as as a, as a player, as an individual player, and as a parent, you have to do the work because the smaller schools, you have to do the work. You almost have to recruit them. And some of these college coaches will tell you that. They just don't have the recruiting budget to go out and, and be at all these tournaments every weekend and see different players. So, you know, you have to kind of seek out those schools that might be a good fit for you uh, academically and, and as a fit for, you know, athletically. And so that that's the hard part is finding a fit for those kids that are the D2, D3 in Ivy League schools. And quite frankly, that's that's the most fun really yeah you know kevin as you're as you're saying this you're bringing back a lot of thoughts in my mind and um you know i made a mistake with my boys and you know we did we did a lot of it right but when it came to making the choice uh, of college uh, with my older son uh he's an outstanding high school baseball player and outstanding summer travel ball player the whole bit but he really wasn't getting much opportunity and we were really locked in on high academics and d1 and you know ultimately he he made the choice to you know be a walk-on at a, at a, a mid-major d1 program and you know hindsight being 2020 you know, we now, if we could go back and do it all over again, we would have given JUCO a consideration for, for the early years, for freshman and sophomore years. And that's the path we chose with our with our youngest son. And, you know, it's interesting. I just, in my mind, I always had a bias against junior colleges, but I really didn't know what I didn't know. That was just a bias that I had. And it wasn't based on fact. It was just based on perception. Um, you know, in, in 2020, we had COVID impacting everything and impacted the baseball world. I mean, you've got D1 today. You've got, you know, 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old guys still active and, and playing. And um, hindsight being 2020, you know, uh, uh, JUCO is a really viable alternative. And now that I've been watching my younger son play in JUCO ball through the fall and now in the spring, what a great stepping stone it is. And, and it's a very uh, high-level product, highly competitive. They face great pitching. He's going to get a ton of at-bats. And, you know, my older son, if he had gone that route, might still be playing. He might not. No idea. But, um, you know, it's a viable option. And the reason I'm, I'm making everybody out there that's listening to this aware of JUCO as an option is it, it really – it's a great option that you should consider. It's a very um, high-value, low-cost option that can get, get your child ready to go. And, uh, you know, my younger son, Jackson, if he continues to play, great. If he doesn't, he's, he'll you know, be able to get into A&M or UT based on the work he's done at a junior college where he might not have been able to get in directly out of, out of uh, high school. He's a great student, but those, those universities require to be, you know, top 5%. So, um, so we'll see. And there's a great success story. I don't know, Kevin, do you, know, do you remember Stanley Tucker? Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So, right. Great success story there. He's a little guy. He's, uh, you know, probably 5'9", 165 pounds. He was smaller than that in high school. And um, he, after high school, went on to play at Wharton Junior College, then went to uh, New Mexico Junior College. And now he is at Texas A&M and uh, just got to play in their opening season series and uh it's going to be more likely a center fielder at some point and uh he's going to definitely contribute at the bat so uh, uh there's a there's a tremendous opportunity out there so as kevin mentioned and, and, all and, these different levels. yeah and on, on the same lines there like you mentioned juco but so many people when they hear d2 or d3 they kind of snub their nose at it like you know they're almost are too good for it Whereas I got news for you, there's a ton of tremendous D2, D3 baseball programs out there, and not only good baseball programs, but a wonderful education to get. And I just You're 100% people, right. But people just don't realize it, you know, and, and, and they've never even given it thought. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's always a tough situation, and, and, you know, there are some kids that, you know, might want to go play at a, you know, you have, then you have the, the other side of it where some kids, you know, they're, the reality of it is their playing ability is not that great and they could go D3 and maybe play or their academics are so good that they could just go ahead and, and go to a A&M or somewhere else and start pursuing, you know, life beyond baseball. And, and unfortunately, some of them still hold on to that baseball thing and, and not kind of put academics above the baseball, you know. Some are, some are yeah. fortunate enough to be able to combine both and 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 go to a school, uh, you know, go to the best, use that sport to get the best possible education possible. Um, but that doesn't always work out that way. And, and so you have to kind of step back and take a very real look at, at, at what's what's in your best interest and what's available. And again, it gets back to, you know, being educated on what's out there and what's available. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you're making these choices and you're doing your homework, you got to understand that uh, they're not all glamorous, um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's no matter where you choose. Remember, in baseball, it's the top five to six percent of high school athletes will go on to play college baseball. That's not a big percentage. And everybody's good. And when you get to these programs from, you know, D1, there's a there's a lot of fanfare and it's really pretty special. But there's a grind and they work them hard. Um, you know, and that's same at D2 and D3. And then when you get to JUCO, it's a whole nother level of grind because there aren't the limitations on practicing and uh you know you've got to really want to be there um there's not a lot of glamour in juco um and it's a it's a different environment so you really got to want to be there and have that mindset um and you know as Kevin said, there's a place if, if you're good enough, there's a place for you to play, but it may not be um, your top three. So you got to be flexible if you want to set those goals and, and do your homework, do the research and figure out the right places uh, for you as a player. Um, so now let's talk more about the player, Kevin. So what skills does a player need to possess to be on a college scouts radar? That's mm, a. Uh... You know, every coach is different out there and what they're looking for, but I think that they're looking for, uh, you know, they're looking for a competitor, you know, and two of the things that we always tell our kids here at all ages is, hey, just show up with a good attitude and good effort. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll focus on the rest when it comes to developing you and teaching you the right things. But, you know, if you show up and, and you're not of the right mindset, you're not going to give forth the effort, regardless of what we try to teach you, it's, it's not going to work. And so I think when a, when a college coach goes out there, obviously they're, they're looking for a certain talent level, level, but you know, are, are you a competitor, you know, or, or can you deal with adversity? You know, a lot of times, I hear it so many times, regardless of the level you're at, is, hey, when you're three for three, that's easy to watch you, right? I know you can do that. I know what you're capable of. But when you're 0 for three with three punch outs, you know, and you, and you kick the ball in the infield, how are you going to handle that? You know, or are you going to overcome that? You know, you're going to hang your head. You're going to, you know, uh, you know, or, or, you know, how's that going to affect you? How are you going to deal with that adversity? And, and the other thing is, are you a good teammate? You know, um, that's one thing that, that, you know, we've instilled and 
you know, not only my kids alone, but, um, you know, just kids in general that any kid that I've ever coached is be a good teammate. You know, nobody likes that one kid where, you know, everybody's over here celebrating and, and you got that one kid pouting at the end of the dugout because he, he didn't get a hit that game, you know, and, and, and there's no, there's no I in team as everybody says. So I think it's, it's, you know, it just kind of, yeah, you know, coaches are looking for the, the kids that can play. Um, they're looking for um, the right fit for their organization. When I say the right fit, um, you know, what, what position they're looking for at that time and, and what they have, what uh, the needs they have uh, from a program standpoint. But, you know, there are certain character that I think characteristics that every coach looks for and every coach is a little bit different but I think you always find the ones that want the competitors once the ones that are you know their team guys their their leaders um their go-getters you know all that type of stuff um you know so that's for the most part uh what sticks out I think uh to most coaches is you know are you running on and off the field? Are you having fun? Bottom line, are, are you enjoying? Do you look like you're enjoying being out there, or do you sometimes look like you're just miserable? And you know, I was guilty of it as a kid. You know, you have your ups and downs, um, but I think it's it's as a coach now that I, you know I've been doing this for a long time, and even when I was in pro ball coaching as a hitting coach, man, I was I was trying to keep. You know, I say kids, some of them are kids, but some of them are grown men. It's like trying to keep them in a positive mindset, right? It's so easy to be negative in a game full of failure, um, you know, and, and, and you know, just, just trying to keep kids in a, in a positive mindset, uh, you know, and, and just keep plugging along, you know, with that positive mindset, regardless of, of, of how down you feel right now, you could be over three with three strikeouts and come up with the game on the line. And if you're still sulking about those, those three punch outs, um, you know, you don't probably have a good chance, but if, if, you know, you, you're able to turn the page, which is extremely difficult to do and, and possibly get that hit. Well, now you're not thinking about the three punch outs, you know, you're just celebrating the fact that you got the game when it hit. So, um, I think it's just a matter of how you handle things more so than, than, um, you know, not on, not just the success, but how, how you handle failure and, and how you deal with adversity and stuff like that that sticks out to coaches. That, that is great advice and great perspective for, for every perspective, you know, athlete that wants to play beyond high school. So well stated. What advice would you give to a player uh, to take ownership of their own recruiting process? And you, you gave great, great insight into creating and establishing a player resume. I think that's a great first step. You know, but what other things should they be doing to, to build relationships with coaches to get them interested? Well, I think it's, it's uh, you know, nobody likes – you know, the kid that sits back and, you know, doesn't really talk a lot. I was that kid. I didn't talk a lot. I didn't, I never had any questions, but I think now as a coach on the flip side of it is the kid that asks the questions and, and shows a genuine interest um, in the program, in what you're doing, you know, Hey, what are your, what are your goals as an organ? You know? And it's like, Whoa, like, okay, this kid's, he's come prepared. You know, somebody's coached him up, which is great. <laughs> but I think that, you know, again, it gets back to, you know, um, kind of creating that player resume and, and, you know, you doing the research on your own. I think one of the, one of the best things, you know, when, when my oldest uh, went to Episcopal was with coach Fox, you know, we knew what we were getting into with, with coach Fox and, and, you know, we had known him in the past and that he's going to be a great men, not only a great coach, but a great mentor to my kids, you know, leading Bible studies and, and, and just focused on them off the field as well. But right from the get go, it was parents. I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from your kid. And so there's some there's a huge accountability factor there, right? And and if 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 you know little Johnny's sick and he can't make it to school, well, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from little Johnny, even if he's sick. Say, coach, I'm sick. I'm out. I'm going to be out today. Or, coach, I've got homework to make up. Like like that communication has to be done by the kids. There's no communication from the parents. And that puts a lot of, you know, a lot of times parents don't like hearing that. <laughs> right. But you know, it's part of, of your kids, you know, process of maturing and, and, and growing up and, 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 you know, being accountable and, and, you know, cause when time comes and you do go to college and whether you're an athlete or not, and you gotta, 
handle a tough conversation with your professor, you know, what are you going to do? Call your parents and have them do it? No. You know, so it's, it's, it's teaching the kids to grow up, you know, at an early age and, and have difficult conversations. You know, it's nothing better than a kid coming to you and, and it being a very tough conversation and you knowing that, but also kind of, you know, you got to respect them because he's, he's taken ownership of the fact that, Hey, I want to, I want to pursue college baseball, you know? And so I'm, I'm writing to you and reaching out to you almost like a pest. I tell people, I tell kids a lot like, Hey, be like a pest. You know, every Monday you're you're in that coach's inbox, you know, hey, coach, it's me again, you know, and, and, and if they have interest, they have interest. But, you know, at least it's not going to be a, a lack of effort on your part. But, you know, sometimes you, you won't even get a response. And then on that sixth time, you might get a response from that coach, um, you know, but also you never know where that coach might end up. He might be at one school this year, but at another school next year. And it wasn't a good fit that first year. But now it is a good fit because of where he's at. So. I think it's just a matter of, of, you know, being consistent, you know, as a student athlete, if, if you want to pursue athletics at the next level, you know, you have to be consistent. You have to be um, um, determined to, 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 to get your name out there. And, and you know, because, again, there is a fit. It's just it's just finding that fit. Right. And it, it's difficult. It's extremely difficult. And sometimes, it, you know, you need a lot of help. You need a lot of luck and you need a lot of prayers answered and, and it's not impossible. It's just, it, it's going to take an incredible amount of work on the student athlete and also the parents. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you said it so well and, and it's absolutely on the player to own their recruiting process and own those communications. Right. And that's, you said is, is have the conversations, ask good questions. And, you know, one thing I'll add, having recently gone through this with my son Jackson is there's going to be communications coming to your player in all types of formats. It could be a text message. It could be a phone call. It could be a DM in Twitter. And what's most important is the player has to respond to each message received in, in a appropriate, you know, honest way. Um, never blow off a coach that, has sent you a message or left you a voicemail, always get back to them and be truthful with your interest level. Um, and you'll never know what you don't know. And, and I can tell you with the junior college that, that, that Jackson ended up at was through a coach identifying him via Twitter and then seeing him play and then pursuing him. And, and we really had no interest in Juco. But at the end of the day, after we had all the conversations with different mid-major D1s and different D3 programs, ultimately JUCO was the right choice. But um, you know, it was a it was a non-traditional. It didn't start with a phone call, and uh, it was amazing how it all progressed and, and and watched it happen. So I just but it but Jackson owned it, and he had all the conversations, and you know, he was open and and communicated with all the coaches consistently. And, and was honest in, in all of the conversations because every coach that's calling wants you to come and play for them. Um, but you got to be open and honest with them and let them know how you're feeling and, and, and what you're thinking. And, and there will be multiple conversations, and, and it's, it's great how it all ends, but it's a crazy process for sure. So great advice, Kevin. Absolutely. So a big deal that's going on now is showcase events. And they can be incredibly expensive, right? If you're looking at perfect game, um, you've got prep baseball report out there that's a little uh, more affordable. But I mean, literally, you could be you could spend your entire bank account on having your son play in baseball showcases throughout the the summer, fall, spring. <laughs> you know, they're all year round. What's your perspective on a player participating in showcases? Um. A, they're not needed for the most part. Um, you know, we live we live in Texas. We play in Texas. Uh, it's a hotbed for baseball. Um, bottom line is you can play, you can play. There are some rare showcases that you might need to go do. Um, you know, there are some high academic showcases that are really good for high academic kids. Um, you know, there's there's – 
You know, I think there's every now and then there's a need for it. Do you need to go play and everything you get invited to? Absolutely not. Um, Tanner never played in a, you know, I never sent him to a showcase because I refuse to pay, you know, when it's all said and done, $2,000 for him to, to go out there and, you know, hit the, you know, hit a few times and, you know, throwing them out, you know, I think showcases, you know, they're, they're not needed, you know, and, and a lot of people might disagree with me. You know, there might be some, some kids up North that might not get to play as much, um, you know, and they might be able to go to some of these showcases to be seen because um, their schedule is a little different than us down here. You know, we get to play a lot more baseball. So um, there, there could be a little more of a need uh, from certain kids that live in certain areas uh, that don't get, you know, exposed to, to as much play as we do. Um, but still, I don't think they're necessary. I don't think it's worth the money. Um I used to always get a kick out of the fact that, you know, we'd get an email for Tanner saying, congratulations, you're a preseason All-American. Um, we're like, oh, okay, great. Well, the fact that we didn't pay X amount of dollars to go participate in their All-American showcase, well, we weren't an All-American anymore, which is completely <laughs> fine, right? But it's just yeah. funny, like, oh, well, now that we didn't pay to come do your thing, we're no longer a preseason All-American, which that's okay. We're not really worried about your rankings anyways. And so the bottom line is, is is the rankings are all, you know, there's kids ranked higher on some rankings than others because, well, guess what? They go to the they, – they spend a lot of money and go to these rankings. And, and I find it ironic that – uh, a lot of times there's no kid ever gets a bad evaluation from a, from a showcase, <laughs> you know, which, you know, not every kid that goes <laughs> to these showcases is, is a stud and, you know, it, it's, it's a money grab, you know, and they do a very good job of, of, of advertising it and making you feel like you're really missing out. And if you're a parent not knowing or understanding or educated on, on that, you know, you're going to feel like you're missing out. You're going to feel like that you need to spend that money to go do it. And quite frankly, you just don't need to. And that's my take on it. And a lot of people might, you know, think that's a, that's a, 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 not a very good, not a very good take on it, but that's just the reality of it. And that's just what I think. And I, and there's probably a lot more people that agree with me than disagree with me. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there might be a rare fit every now and then for certain kids, but I also think that, you know, there's that, that's a lot of time where kids go out there and get hurt because they're in that showcase, you know, they get on the mound and, and they see all these radar guns pop up behind the, behind the plate and they're trying to throw as hard as they can. And it's just it's not beneficial or, or the shortstop, the kid in the infield taking four crow hops and throwing the ball as hard as he can. And then it goes over the first baseman's head and over the dugout. Yet, oh, he threw 91 across the diamond. It, it's it's all irrelevant, you know, and, and, and you know, seeing it, seeing a kid, you know, bottom line is coaches are going to see kids playing a game and, and they're going to make their assessments there. And and uh, yeah, it's nice to see some kids take BP. Um here and there but a lot of it i think is 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 not necessary it's it's you know it's either the the, the player's ego or the, or the parent's ego and they want to see their kid ranked a certain you know at a certain number um and then you know of course you know the more money you spend the the the, the better your kid's ranking is probably going to go up um but yeah you know I, I have some buddies that that work for those organizations and and guys i've played with in the past that run those organizations and and you know, I, I just, I'm not a believer in them. I just don't really, they're great. When you go to them, they're great. You know, it's a wonderful experience for the kids and, and you get, you get all kinds of gear and get treated great and all that stuff. And you get to see how you stand up against, you know, some of your peers. I think that might be the only benefit is, is how you really stand up against some of the other kids that are out there. But then again, we live in Texas, so we can do that on a weekly basis. We can either stay here in Houston and play in a tournament or go to Austin or go to Dallas and we're still playing against the top kids, you know, in, in, in the state, if you know, or region or if not the country. And so, yeah, um, yeah, you know, you know, Kevin, it's great perspective and it's, 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 you're saying the truth and you know, that they, they do have a purpose. Um, you know, and I, with, with my boys, we had a plan and 
we we stuck to the plan regarding showcases. And, you know, we the way I looked at it, I assessed both the big ones out there, Perfect Game and Prep Baseball Report. And from my perspective, I just said, okay, Prep Baseball Report is a third of the cost. And I said, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to go to one event a year and just see how you progress. And, you know, you get that benefit of the pro style workout and you get validated measurements for, you know, all the, the key measurables that are important in baseball. And uh, it worked out well. I can I can honestly say it was nice to have uh, my boys enjoyed participating uh, in them on a limited basis. Um, and they got to you know meet some great people. And as you said, it was a great experience, but we didn't overdo it. And, you know, they really didn't assist in the recruiting process at all, other than the fact that they were, you know, validated statistics, you know, outside of high school, um, which was a good thing to have. But uh, yeah, all, we a lot of times, a lot of times those coaches that are there, they're going to see you anyways, you know, and, and yep. like I said, there, there's a, there's a fine line, you know, there, there's a lot of people that have the money and, and they're going to go to everything under the moon and and hey that's great if that's the way you want to spend your money and you think that's what's best for your kids do it um you know or or the flip side of it is there's people that you know can't afford it and would love to send their kid to it but they're not sure if it's really worth it and i I just honestly don't think it's worth it in the long run and and if your kid can you know and it gets back to being in the right organization that knowing that that you have coaches that that are are looking out for your kid's best interest and and it's not really needed to go to that showcase because they can pick up the phone and, and and call some college coaches and get your kid you know the look um when that time comes well, that's the that's the biggest truth is that the baseball community is a very small community. It seems like every coach knows every coach, especially when you get to the college level, whether it's, you know, JUCO all the way to D1. They all know each other and it's this network. And odds are your player is going to get an opportunity in college based on what his high school or summer coaches communicate to those other coaches. And, uh, you know, word travels fast about players that can play that are looking for a place to, to play. So absolutely agree with everything you've said, Kevin. Oh, so you've observed and coached literally thousands of players. Are there any common themes that you're see from the players that do play college baseball versus those that do not? I think, uh, first thing that sticks out is the work ethic. Um, you know, work ethic is, is something I think that's, that's tough to teach, but there's some kids that are just, you know, they're just built different. Um, and so I think the work ethic goes a long way. That's on the field. That's off the field. That's, you know, putting in that extra work when nobody's looking. Right. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, that's very, very hard to find. It's very rare. Um, but I think that's the most consistent thing that you see is, is, you know, that work ethics there and, and yeah, they have talent. And, and, and the flip side of that is there's some kids that, you know, aren't the most talented, but that their work ethic is, is through the roof. And that's what takes them to the next level. And, um, you know, it just, it just takes a, a, a you know, a special, not only a special talent, but just a, a special, um, a special person to be able to, to have that opportunity to go play at that level, you know? And, and I think there's a, yeah. there's, there's a, there's a, you know, kind of a self-evaluation of self-worth, um, the confidence um, to have as well as, as what you can and can't do. Um, I mean, shoot, I know when I got drafted and got shipped off to, you know, Medicine Hat, Alberta, and I was on my own, it's, it's you know, there was some self-doubt there. There was, you know, man, am I, am I, am I really, you know, Am I this good? Can I compete out here with these, with these guys? I say guys, you know, I had, I was 18 and there was, you know, 25 year old guys at some places I was playing or, or, you know, in spring training and stuff, you're going up against guys that are, that are way older than you. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. And so I think that, that, you know, as you progress, you know, I think it gets back to kind of like what you said is, is you never wanted your, your kids to be the best kids on the team and, and, and always kind of having something to fight for and, 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 you know, always pushing you to get better. And, and I was a big believer of that too. I never wanted my kid to be the best on the team and having a good supporting cast around him and learning to be a good teammate and all that stuff. You know, it's no fun being, 
you know, good best player on the team, but nobody else around you is any good. You know, that's that's not really any fun. But you know, what are you going to do about that situation? Are you gonna you gonna pout and moan? Or are you gonna you gonna try to lift up your teammates and and and, and make them better as well? So. Um, well said. Love it. Really good. So, Kevin, we've got freshmen and sophomore players out there. They really want to play college baseball. They're not receiving any interest at all at this point in time. What advice can you offer to those players? Well, that's completely normal. <laughs> you know, there's only <laughs> there's only so many freshmen and sophomores currently that are, you know, getting contacted by coaches and those are the elite of the elite but the reality of it is 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 there's a ton out there that aren't getting any recognition at all because you know it's it's kind of like that pecking order right division one most of their kids they commit you know a little sooner or have to make their decision a little sooner and then the d2s follow through and then and then the d3s and and then everything else kind of sorts out but you know it's completely normal as a freshman and sophomore, not to be contacted. And it's completely normal, guess what, to be contacted by a lot of schools and not commit as a freshman and sophomore. You know, enjoy the process if you are one of those big-time prospects and talk to everybody because you just don't know where people are going to end up um, and you don't know how you're going to develop as a player. But, you know, as the freshmen and sophomores that aren't getting any contact right now, you know, you have to, you know, just kind of trust the process and continue to put in the work because, you know, ultimately it, it might not happen until right at your senior year or just before or during your senior year. And, and it happens all the time and, and it's okay. You know, it's it's just trust the process, keep doing what you're doing, you know, reach out to coaches. And it's just it's really just the pecking order. And, it, and it's the process of, of, of when coaches are looking at certain, you know, graduating classes, you know, and, and most of them aren't even thinking about the, the freshmen and sophomores. You know, again, there's there's the there's the rare ones that are that are the elite of the elite. But it is completely normal if you're a freshman or sophomore uh, not to be contacted right now by college coaches and uh, just, you know, trust the process. And, 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 you know, there will be an opportunity down the road, hopefully, if, if your ability and your, and your work ethic continue to, to grow. Perfectly stated, Kevin. That is a great answer. And everybody out there, if you, if you know someone who is a freshman and sophomore and wants to play college baseball, Make sure they hear this because that is great perspective and great advice. Don't panic. Just get in the weight room, take care of business, get bigger, faster, stronger, and it'll all work out. All right. So, Kevin, this is the big scholarship insight. So all, all parents, all kids dream of the full-ride athletic scholarship to a D1 program. Unfortunately, with only 11.7 scholarships available in D1, that rarely happens. What insights can you provide in the real world of baseball scholarships? Oof. Make exceptional grades. That way you can get <laughs> you can get that <laughs> academic scholarship. That would make things a whole lot easier. But no, it, it's you know, unfortunately, it is. There's only 11.7 scholarships available, and you know, the coaches have to get very creative on on how they divvy that up. And you know, quite honestly, it's a business. You know, especially at these you know major Division One schools, it's a business, and and they have to every year kind of restructure how all that's divvied up. And a lot of times it ends up in, in some good players um, ending up with, with you know, getting cut and, and being told that, hey, we don't have a spot for you. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's so hard um, in today's game to, to you know, again, when you, when you are offered, uh, making sure exactly what that offer entails, what it means, um, you know, because it, it, it can be tricky at times. Um, but, you know, but also exhaust all avenues as to how I can qualify for money to that school, you know, whether it's academically, um, you know, financially, you know, athletically. Um, and, and hopefully a lot of times the, the coaches are very knowledgeable in that because if they really want you, 
they're going to find the different ways to get creative on, on how to get you there. Um, so just, again, it's, it's, it's being educated on, on what all is out there. What do I qualify for as a, as a student athlete? What do I, what, you know, what does my family qualify for? Um, all the stuff like that. And, and until you've exhausted all those resources, um, you know, you'll see that, that, you know, there are, there are a lot of other opportunities for you, but you know, bottom line is, is, Every year, it's almost like coaches are, you know, they lose they lose kids to the draft. They, now they lose kids to the transfer portal. So, they're, at, at all these big Division One schools, they're they're bringing in, uh, you know, extra players, and and they'll sort them out when the time comes. And unfortunately, the timing of it isn't isn't very good. But that's the nature of the business these days, and and what these guys got to do. It's unfortunate, but it's the reality. And and you have to understand that going into it, you know, a lot of them probably think that, oh, it's not going to happen to my kid. He was told this. He was told that. Well, you know, come that fall or or going into the spring, then you're you're sitting around looking at each other going, oh, geez, now what do we do? So it's very tough in in today's game. you know, you see it happen a lot. It's going to happen, but I think it's it's also preparing the parents that it could happen. Um, you know, kind of a worst case scenario type thing is is you know just always have a plan B and a plan C, and you know even then it's it's tough. So, um, yeah, just again finding that fit is is you know sometimes you feel like you're in a perfect situation and then it falls through at the very end. Um, but that's why it's important to always keep your options open and, and understand um, what what each of those options brings to the table. Yeah, Kevin, very well said. You know, the, the reality of, of the full ride baseball scholarship in D1 baseball is, is really fiction. Uh, I mean, it, it does happen. It does. It does definitely happen. But that's the exception right? in today's D1 world. Most players, I think it's safe to say most players are paying for a portion of their school, in some cases a significant portion. Those that are not, as you stated, are really leveraging academic money because they are outstanding students. And, you know, for everybody listening out there that wants to, you know, get a scholarship athletically to college, there is a lot more money available in baseball for athletics. I'm sorry, for for academics than there is for athletics and um that 11.7 just doesn't go real far so kevin outlined it spend time in the books keep your grades up and and that will definitely enhance your your scholarship opportunity if you're talented enough okay kevin so now we've got the the uh high school player who's got an offer and has accepted an offer to play baseball at a school somewhere any level so they're committed to play college baseball but they've not yet set foot on campus. What advice would you give them now in order to be prepared when they step on campus? You know, I would say that uh, the hard work's just beginning. You know, you 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 you've, you've made that commitment, um, but that there's no guarantees. And you know, all the way up until the time you sign that you know national letter of intent. That's great and all, but then once you get to campus in the fall, you know, if, if let's just say you commit as a sophomore or you commit, you know, as a junior and you just shut it down because you don't feel like you really need to put in the work, you know, you don't have that hunger, you don't have that drive anymore to really, you know, get to that level to where, you know, you know, you want to play college baseball. Oh, well, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've made my commitment, my verbal commitment. Well, that doesn't really mean anything. And I think that even once you do, uh, the work never stops, you know? So even up until that point where you do arrive on campus, now the hard part really begins. It's going out there and being able to compete and, and understanding, you know, I know, I know both my boys went through it, especially Tanner, you know, trying to be a two way at Texas. And he's like that. He's like, it's exhausting, you know, handling the academic workload. And this was during COVID, you know, so he was handling the academic workload, of, of, of a division one student, you know, division one student. And then the, the athletic workload and what that entails getting up and going to weights and all that stuff. And so, you know, at the time during COVID, they weren't allowed as athletes to even go and really just hang out anywhere. So, you know, it wasn't like he was experiencing the full um, lifestyle of a division one athlete other than, other than, 
being a student and all the zoom classes and then going to the field and, 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 and the athletic portion, but you know, it's extremely taxing, extremely difficult. And if you're not prepared, um, how to time manage, you know, you're going to really scuffle and, and that's just kind of off the field, you know, let alone just what you're trying to do on the field. But I would just say that, you know, the work never stops and, and you got to continue working, uh, regardless of whether you're a freshman or, or a sophomore or a junior. And when you make that commitment, you know, you, you've made a verbal commitment, but Hey, if, if you don't put in the work, they can, they can take back what, you know, that commitment, there's no guarantees there. And even then, once you step foot on campus, there's no guarantees you're there now, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to compete? You're going to go out there, um, you know, and continue to be that, 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 the competitor and, and the athlete that we saw and, 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 you know, expressed interest in and the reason you're here. Um, but a lot of times there's kids that, you know, either, either don't put in the work and, and it shows. And like you said earlier, it's, it's once you get, you know, once you get there, there's some tremendous athletes and there's some very gifted and talented players, you know, at all levels, but especially at the division one major colleges. So it's, the work never stops and, and it's tough, you know, it's, it's, it's a very demanding schedule. And, you know, even if you have aspirations of doing it professionally, it even gets harder. And not only that, you're doing it as a job. So if you don't perform, guess what? <laughs> you're going to get fired. <laughs> so I just think it's, 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 you got to have an, an amazing work ethic. You got it. You got the work. It never stops. And, and you just got to continue that work ethic. Um, regardless of, of, you know, whatever, wherever you're at in that process. Kevin, that's really great insight. And, you know, it just circles back to what we talked about in part two of the work you're doing at Spring Spirit of developing the whole person, right? And I've always called that having balance between mind, body, and spirit. And, you know, when you get to that campus and you're in that athletic program and everybody's good, and one thing's for sure in baseball, it's a unique sport where you're definitely going to face adversity. You know, you get to bat. If you're successful and you're at bats three out of ten times, you have a good chance of making the Hall of Fame as a professional. But that means you failed seven out of ten times. The game beats you up. And, and that's where that balance of mind, body, and spirit come into play. And, and, you know, that's really that difference of that athlete that's succeeding at that next level um, is able to deal with that adversity and those times when you're, you're not having success. Um, and you, but, but as you talked about earlier, you're having fun on the field and you're being a good teammate and, you know, you're doing all those things that are beyond the performance on the field that ultimately makes a difference. And that makes you a high, highly valuable asset for the coach of the program. So really, really well said. And, and it's a good point. We, we actually have, you know, our, you know, our, our spring spirit here, it's, it's the focus on the mind, body and soul. And so it's funny you said that, you know, and, and the bottom line is, is we're trying to empower the youth and, and build futures. And so, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's tremendous. It's been a great, you know, experience for me here at Spring Spirit. And I've been able to implement just things I've learned throughout the course of my career, you know, as a player and, and, and as a, you know, professional coach and in all these years and kind of taking things from every coach that I've come across over the years and, and really just kind of bring it all to fruition now and, and, and pass it on to the, the, the next generation, whether it's here at Spring Spirit or, or through other avenues. Kevin, so good. All right. Now we're just going to get to know you a little more personally. We're going to move into our rapid fire brains and brawn segment. And I'm going to ask right. you five quick, five quick questions and you give me five quick answers. So here we go. What's your favorite movie? Uh, the Natural. Great choice. What's your greatest accomplishment? My family. I would agree with that. What is a goal? that you are still chasing. Ooh, wow. I don't have a quick one for that. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, I think just make it, uh, being impactful, making an impact, uh, regardless of with my family, you know, internally with my family or, you know, in the community, um, provide an impact or, or, or providing a, a service, uh, within the community. 
Well, you're definitely in the right job at Spring Spirit to be pursuing and, and chasing that goal. Great job. Okay, if you could spend the day with anyone, past or present, who would that be? Mm, uh, I would say, man, that's a tough one, man. Sorry, these are supposed to be quick, but uh, um, <laughs> it, you know, it would it would you know might be uh, you know just maybe one of my grandfathers or grandparents, you know, just somebody that's passed away that, you know, they passed away when I was younger. So didn't really get to spend a lot of time with them. Um, so it wouldn't be just one. I'm going to be greedy and ask for, for multiple. Um, and, and hopefully that they would have been able to experience being around my, my kids and, and, you know, witness them grow up a little bit. So, uh, you yeah. know, just be, you know, just, just some, family members that have passed on and just being able to kind of tend to see what, what I've grown into today. Really cool. Great choice. Okay. Where is your favorite place to travel or visit? Wow. I had a lot, I referenced it before, but you know, Japan was such a cool place to go. You know, who would have ever thought I was able to go to Japan, um, much less to play a game there that I love um, and take Mm -hmm. my family there and experience it. So that was a that was there's a lot of fun memories that we had there. But, you know, somewhere tropical never uh, disappoints either. Very good. Very good. Well, Kevin, as we wrap up, uh, this will end up being the third part of our three part series on your life in baseball. Do you have any final thoughts for our audience? No, just uh, I really appreciate you having me on. It's it's you know it's three parts, but I feel like we could have gone on forever. You know, I'm just passionate about you know helping kids and 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 passionate about baseball, obviously, but but helping kids and and helping parents um, realize the possibilities of of what's out there. And for ba- baseball has provided a lot for me, um, it, you know, over the years. And, and, you know, I'm just trying to, to give back to the next, next generation of, of kids and that love the game. And not only the ones that, you know, love baseball, but, you know, just, uh, just trying to make an impact in, in, in kids' lives and, and for the better. And so, you know, just, uh, if you are an athlete pursuing, um, an opportunity to, to, to play in college, just enjoy the process. Um, it can be overwhelming. It can be stressful, but the bottom line is, is, is you're searching for the best fit, uh, for your kids to develop and grow into, to outstanding human beings. And that's, that's the ultimate goal. Well, Kevin, you are definitely one of the best in the world at what you do. I want to thank you again for this memorable conversation. I appreciate your insights, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. If any of our listeners would like to connect with you, what are the best ways to do so? Uh, just go go to our website, springspirit.org, or like I said, you can reach out to me via email, kevin.wit at springspirit.org, and uh, I'll be more than happy to uh, – to, uh, you know, be available for, for, for any type of, any type of conversation that I can help you with. Oh, that's fantastic. And for our listeners, I'll also uh, put Kevin's contact information on the Brawny Conversations uh, webcast page as well. So his information will be listed there. Well, that's a wrap for today's Brawny Conversations podcast. Special thanks to our guest, Kevin Witt. And I also want to thank each of you for choosing to listen to this podcast. New episodes are posted each week. So please remember to follow us and let us help you shorten your learning curve. Have a great day, everyone. You have been listening to the Brawny Conversations podcast. Thank you for choosing to spend time with us today. And please subscribe to the podcast to receive our latest episodes and give us a follow on social media. New episodes are now in production and we can't wait to share them with you. Pursue your passions and help others along the way. Have a great day and thank you for listening.